everybody. I'm Diane Brady. We're here in Davos with Carl Eschenbach, who is the co-CEO of Workday, soon to be CEO, weeks away. I'm going to call you Davos man here. Tell, tell oh, us what Diane, thank you for that, well, but I'm not Davos man. Or... I don't know if that's good or bad, but thank you for having me. Yeah, good to see you. So tell me, what has been your impression so far? It seems to be a little bit of a doom and gloom Davos. Is that fair yeah. to say? I don't know if I'd say it's doom and gloom, if I'm honest. I think, you know, when I look at it, we're very cautiously optimistic about this coming year. Yeah. Um, when I was here last year, I would say there was a lot of more doom and gloom than there is this year. Oh, good. This year, as I've gone to events and I was at a CEO dinner, there was a lot more optimism about 2024 than 2023. Um, and we think that is the case. When we think about the market right now, Diane, we see a tremendous amount of momentum in our business. And we think it's going to carry through to 2024. And I think it's just because, quite frankly, our value value proposition continues to resonate with our customers and prospects. Let's dig a little deeper here. First of all, um, you've got a presence here at Davos. Yes. Talk about the importance of Davos as an, as an institution, because it is one of those ones people look at and they sort of think, is it like an elite gathering, you know, at a ski resort in Switzerland? What's the value for you being here? I think there's multiple points of value. First, branding, right? Mm -hmm. Having a, a you know a storefront here on the main strip is very important. It shows the importance and relevance of Workday for both customers and prospects. Mm -hmm. I think being here and being able to get as many meetings as you can with senior executives from both partners, customers, and prospects in a week time frame is hugely valuable. Um, and I also think it's important for us to get out there and talk about our agenda and talk about things like AI and how to do it in a very responsible way. Talk about things around trust and why trust is so important as we move forward with some of these new technologies. Trust so is a big one. I mean, I was, you know, I looked at the Edelman Trust Barometer that came out and it showed this huge disconnect and sort of people trust business, they don't trust government. There's this divide between Republicans and Democrats. What do you think of the state of trust from where you sit? Well, so trust is the foundation of Workday. We are, a, we are absolutely someone who focuses on our core values. And one of those values is underpinned by trust. And everything we do is around trust. If you think about us, Diane, what we do, we support our customers' most mission critical and most important assets, their people and their money. So people have to trust us if we're going to engage with them to support them. What are you hearing about them. trust, though? Tell me about, like, when you're talking to people and you look around, sort of, um, you know, give me some sense of, even as an American CEO, what do you think the state of trust is in general when you're looking at the business environment? So I think there's a bit of it of a, a trust gap between the executives and the employees, especially when it comes to AI. I think both believe there's gonna be a massive impact in human productivity over time, but as executives, they wanna use it to drive productivity gains and drive increase in margins. The employee side are nervous, they see the value, but it also could be impactful to them in their position or their, you know, their job. So there is a trust gap between executives and employee they trust the technology and the value of it, but how it gets implemented and whether it's implemented in a responsible way is the gap in the divide of trust we need to merge. It's interesting because that is a big theme here. You're a CEO yourself. Is it a communication problem? Because you do have almost the FOMO, fear of missing out at the top. You've got the fear factor among employees. How do you bridge that gap? Um, I think communication's part of it. I think the key is how you implement it. 
and you need to make sure when you're implementing it, you're taking a very responsible, ethical, and safe approach. And to implement AI, you're gonna to have to leverage third parties and partners like a Workday. So I think what's really important is who you implement AI with has to be a trusted party that you think will do it in a responsible way to impact your company as a whole. You know, one of the things with Workday, you're on the front lines and seeing some of the early signals with the labor markets and such. What are, you, what are you seeing? Are you optimistic? Are your clients optimistic for 2024? Because it's a year of volatility at the very least. Yeah, I'd say they're more optimistic and we are uh, compared to 2023. As I said, mm -hmm. last year here, there was a lot of uh, discussion. The and such? Yeah, there was a lot of discussion. Are we gonna have a, you know, a hard landing? Are we gonna have a soft landing? Is there gonna be contraction in the workforce? While there's some question about that in 2024, I think there's much more optimism that I've seen in the first couple of days of being here in Davos. And we too believe that. We're cautiously optimistic. We built a tremendous amount of momentum over the last 12 months, and we see that pushing into the next year. And again, I think it goes back to whether you're viewing something and you're very optimistic or you're cautious or you're negative on the economy, I think it comes back to the value you bring to customers. And I think we have an incredible value proposition, whether it's good times or bad, and, and it's reflected in our performance. So I'm curious about something, which is there's been a lot of conversation here about the political environment and this sort of um, polarization. Have you had a lot of questions about that in terms of what's happening in the U.S. right now? You know, not a lot, if I'm honest. There's been some discussion around the upcoming, you know, important year for the for the American, uh, you know, for our the Americans, our election, right? Um, but it hasn't necessarily been polarizing. I think it's one of those things. It's an important year for us, this election. Uh, the one thing I do know as a CEO and you know, running a company, there are certain things you can impact and certain things you can't. What we need to focus on and we will continue to do is we will lean into our values. We will lean into serving our customers and we will do it in the most ethical, responsible way. And that's trustworthy. Um, I don't know how much we or I can impact the election, but we're aware of it. And whatever the outcome is, uh, we need to accept it and we need to build a business plan around the economy, despite what's happening out there in the broader market. There's a lot of policymakers here. If I put on my policymaker hat, what advice would you have to policymakers and CEOs? Well, so, so I think the first is around AI. And I think we have to have uh, regulation around AI and how it's used, but I don't think we can over-rotate on regulation because we still have to drive innovation. We have to be very innovative, right? That's what drives the economy forward, especially in the technology front. So I would just make sure that we are asking our, our governments around the world, not just in the US, even here in the EU, to make sure that the regulations around AI are safeguarding everybody and the employees and the companies, but don't do so much regulation that stops us from innovating and leveraging this powerful Can technology. Can you take us from the 30,000 foot down on the ground? What, what specifically would you like to see? Because it's having government regulate innovation is a tricky subject. Are there specific areas you think the government should be regulating right now? What, is, what do you mean by safeguards? What do we need that's going Well, I think the use cases, right, um, are really important. We focus on enterprise use cases. We don't get into the consumer use cases. And a lot of times people are talking about AI, Diane. It's the consumer. 
In the enterprise, we want to make sure there's safeguards around how you use it, how you implement it, and how we get held accountable for doing this safe and trustworthy way. Where are you getting your data from, right, is really important. That's an example. That's a real life example. We want to safeguard how you're using the data. We at Workday leverage the massive data set we have of 65 million users to train our models to service our customers. We're not out there using the internet to train our models like most people are when they talk about generative AI. So I think regulation starts with the data, how you're using it. Uh, there's a lot of discussion around copyrights out there right now. As you know, there's a lot of people pushing on that topic. Um, we're very fortunate and blessed that we have an incredible data set and moat unlike anyone else out there in the market. Can you give us, just to end off, some other insights from your data from those 65 million users? What are you, anything that's on your radar you would put on ours in terms of some of the trends that you're seeing? Um, so I think one thing we do have insight to is hiring trends. And while there are some industries that are pulling back on hiring or having some layoffs, overall, the market's still growing and it's growing at a very good clip. I think the other thing we do notice, there's a very competitive war for talent out there. The labor market is very it challenging. Been, hasn't it? What's different? Yeah, I think, I think it, there's always been a war for talent, but I think as we move into this new realm of AI, it only becomes that much more competitive because everyone's fighting for this you know, really important talent and skill set. And then the last thing I would say is, we have a very good insight to this movement to a skills-based economy. And what we want to focus on is how do we help companies, their most precious assets aren't the ones they're going to go recruit and hire, it's the ones they have today. And we have great insight on how to help our companies reskill and upskill their employees and focus on a skills-based world as opposed to a pedigree-based world. No, I think and we have, right, we have great insight to that with something called Skills Cloud. We have partners out there like Accenture that are building on top of that platform. We have insights to the skills that are required to take companies to the next level and drive productivity gains. Let me ask another question, Carl. This is the one place where you do get CEOs talking about the geopolitical landscape. We, obviously, we've got the Israel-Hamas war, we've got Ukraine, we've got other issues. How are you finding the discussions there and any thoughts? Is that on something you um, think about? Again, they happen, right? But, they brought up in discussion, but you know, it's not something that you're it's, finding. No, you're I think I think we need to be aware of them. If you're running a company, you have to have safeguards. Should there be a bigger issue geopolitically around the world, you have to have safeguards in running the business to make sure that indeed you can still run the business if the economy were to pull back. So you have to be aware of the conversations. Listen, I don't think anyone's too excited about some of the challenges that we're facing in the Middle East, what's happening in the Red Sea. There's a lot of discussion around China and potential invasion of Taiwan. There's a lot of discussion around the Chinese-US relationship. So as a CEO, I think it's, you need to be aware of them. I don't spend a lot of time focusing on them other than making sure you have safeguards in your business that you can accelerate growth when the market's good. And if there is a pullback, make sure you have safeguards to protect you on the downside. Do you think CEOs should be speaking up about these political or geopolitical issues? When you think about the role of a CEO, you're a co-CEO now, you're about to be a CEO. What is the role in terms of, especially since business is more trusted now than government, mm -hmm. according to a lot of surveys here, how do you think about your own role in terms of talking about these issues, talking about the political landscape? I'm not putting 
pressuring. I'm just genuinely curious. Yeah, you know, if I'm honest, if I were to personalize this, I don't spend a lot of time uh, out there with my own message or a workday message about some of these geopolitical situations. I think we go back to the core values of the company, focusing on our employees, focusing on how we're servicing our customers, focusing on this new technology boom that you're seeing up and down the street here of AI and how you can do it in the most responsible, well, ethical, safe AI way. House, if we why are. <laughs> it is chaotic. But, town, but to answer town. your question, I don't spend a lot of time on it. I spend time on focusing on the things I can impact and drive value, and that's our customers and our employees. Excellent. Thank you.